Hi guys, and a massive welcome or welcome back to the Dedicate podcast. I'm your host, Kate Ivey. Today we are chatting to Dr. Morgan Edwards. Morgan is an obstetric anaesthetist in Auckland. She runs a website for pregnant women called Your Labour, Your Way. She's a mother of two and she has over 50,000 followers on Instagram, where she educates on pregnancy and birth as well as many other topics. Today on her Instagram, for example, she was answering questions on sunscreen for kids, cannabis while breastfeeding, obesity discrimination, and the easing of COVID restrictions, a lot of different topics. Today we chat about her work, the challenge of juggling a career and motherhood and managing the guilt, her relationship, and a bit of COVID chat and much more. I'm sure you'll enjoy. Season five of the Dedicate podcast and Workout for Mental Health is proudly sponsored by Rabobank. Rabobank is a specialist savings and agribusiness bank. 100% of savings deposits are used to help fund New Zealand farmers and growers to produce delicious, nourishing food for us all. Thanks to their cooperative origins, Rabobank has a rich history of community engagement and now, thanks to Rabo Community Fund, they can make an even bigger impact in the communities where their clients live. Through Rabobank, you can be part of something truly productive. Let's grow a better New Zealand together. Hi. Hi. How are you? So where, are, where are you right now? I'm just at home. Um, yeah, it's my morning off, but my nanny's got my little girl, but she slammed her fingers in the door at 9.55. So. Oh, my gosh. And you're here at 10 o'clock. We are good. She's at the door listening to an audio book with a bottle. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's four and a half. I'm like, that's, yeah, just we're going to pull out everything. Out oh, gosh, that's what it's there for. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Sweetheart. Yeah, and we'll go in, into this, I feel like, this is going to be a massive part of what we talk about is the juggle with family life. Oh, yes, man, it's so hard, hey? Yeah, but I thought before we get stuck into the nitty gritty, yes, let's go into how, you know, what you do, what is your day like and how you got to where you are. We don't expect to see doctors like you. Would you agree with that? Like you stand out or is that just that I'm remembering when I was young and they were all old, but they were actually not old. They were actually young but I thought they were old yeah I I think that there is a really big disconnect between what doctors are like and um in reality and what um the general public actually gets to see yeah not just that they seem really you know we've got that classic picture of you know your older white male mm-hmm. doctor definitely but also just the way that um we interact um in the really brief pieces of time that we get with patients it's usually really formal yes um you know we're asking really deeply personal questions but often in such a matter of fact way you've just mm. got to really cut through everything and get straight to the good stuff well often um, as you've got 10 15 minutes to get it done yes, you know absolutely so yeah I see what you mean it's this we don't get to know our doctors on a personal guard down sort of way no and you know I had this um moment when I was a junior anesthetic registrar and I was working with a specialist because it's one of the things about anesthesia is that you spend every single day with a specialist the whole time you're training whereas in lots of other parts of medicine you don't um and I was doing my usual 
thing and being my usual self. And I just use, I think I read the room, but um, perhaps that's, um, you know, just my lens of things. But I tend to use terms of endearment for people. And, you know, having surgery is such a huge event for people um whereas for us we're just next patient next patient mm. as as in it's familiar for us not that we don't take every single patient um as you know really big and special individual moments but that it is familiar mm. um and so I tend to call people you know sometimes it'll be love sometimes I might even say babe um I'll say darling and I tend to touch people and I feel like I read the room and don't do that when that's not appropriate yeah. but I remember after getting one particular person off to sleep and they and I'd um been calling them lovely and rubbing their shoulder and once they were asleep the specialist I was with said did you did you hear yourself then and I was like oh gosh no like what did I do did mm -hmm. I was like because I, I tend to use quite a bit of expletive language in my personal life and I was like <laughs> oh dear I've let my guard down with a patient that also happened once but that's another story um you but, can tell us that one though it sounds good <laughs> in a minute um, but so she basically her point was that she thought it was wildly inappropriate that I had called the patient lovely and that I touched her because in her mind there should be that professional boundary mm -hmm. um, and that's the hard thing about being a trainee is that you have to take people's there is that hierarchy and mm. that person's there to teach me so I can't just you know push back and say well actually I totally disagree and I think it's a really lovely way of breaking down barriers and making people feel really reassured and like we're all humans and I, mm. I identify that you're really stressed and I couldn't say all of that to her but I didn't change anything about my practice but just remembered on the days that I work with that particular person <laughs> would just rein it in and would just be a little bit more wooden but these days I very much am all about yeah that comforting language um, awesome. I think it's really important and is that rubbing up on on others as well or and what about older people now like you're in a higher position now so yeah um what about people of that sort of generation that she was yeah what do they think now I think they probably aren't necessarily changing but I think that there's there's definitely a generational shift um with regards to you know, that kind of patient-centered, um, I can't quite get my head around using the word client, which is sometimes what we're taught to use, but I, because I think that's a, a, you know, people aren't paying or choosing most of the time to come and see a doctor, especially mm. in the public health system. But that f focusing around the person and the, the use of the language um, that centers them and, and, and the centering of autonomy, um, there's definitely very much a shift that way. Um, and that voice, I think, of doctors is what is centered in conversation, um, if that makes sense. So the people out on the peripheries that perhaps were dominant, they still probably hold their views, but mm. in, in you know dialogue at management level, those views are probably knowing that it, to keep quiet these days, that, that yeah. that's not that's not the way we do things anymore, and I'll just be quiet in the corner and accept that I you yeah. know, uh, have views of a bygone era. Because it's the same in teaching, isn't it? Like I see at my kids' schools, the younger teachers are a lot more hands-on, enthusiastic, um, whereas the older teachers yeah. are more sit down, be quiet, listen to me. 
approach. It's a stereotype. It's not the same. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But it's it's sort of the way the world's changing, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I think that it comes to parenting as well. Exactly. You know, yeah. The way that we parent is so different to the way that we were parented, and it's mm. just just a, a generational shift in the way we view people who are in a relationship with you, whether it's parent child or teacher child or doctor patient. When there is a sort of historical hierarchy, that actually that maybe that's a bit more linear. Maybe we're actually all on the same level, and everybody deserves respect. Mm. Um, and there isn't actually a, a yeah a hierarchy so much. Yeah. Oh, I like that. When I was preparing. <laughs> everything I was like we could just about talk about any topic in the world and you are on your Instagram which we'll get to you're almost expected to know everything that there is to know about everything people ask you so many questions so for example today I looked at your stories and you said ask me a question so you had a question on sunscreen Mm -hmm. and you answer that did you know the answer or did you look it up and do you have the places to go to to look up some of this information or are you just a walking talking encyclopedia? I'm definitely not a walking talking encyclopedia. Um, the sunscreen thing I know because it's been asked so many times and yeah. I think that your, your second point is exactly right. Like I just have such, and this is what it all comes down to, I think this, this immense privilege of health literacy and access to experts mm-hmm. and so you know I'm in some really fantastic Facebook groups because doctors live over on Facebook still um, and you know there's the 6,000 of us that have um, doctors that identify as female or assigned female at birth in Aotearoa um, and really really generous and engaging with their thoughts if I have questions then there's an you know an Australasian ones for, for doctors who are parents there's a oh, there's a subgroup for every single thing you can possibly ask so mm-hmm. once upon a time I asked in the the doctor mums um talking about it's called men mums keep up appearances and chatting about sunscreen and that all that sort of stuff in there and there's you know 10 cosmetic or plastic surgeon doctors replying with their knowledge um amazing and it's just such an amazing resource to yeah. be able to tap into and people are so generous with their thoughts. Amazing. And then the next thing is you're you're talking about sunblock and then someone's asking you about obesity and stigmatism in medicine, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is something that you're passionate about anyway. Yes, very much so. Um, that question was asked by a very clever nutritionist who I have some really wonderful conversations with um, and I like that she urged me to talk about that um, because she didn't really ask a question she just said uh, weight stigma and medicine go (laughs) Um, (laughs) love it love it love it and yes that 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 sort of stuff I um I very much did some reading she I saw that in the morning and had when had some downtime between patients did a bit of a read for that one because I think it's really important to be really careful and intentional about the words that I use. Yeah, I saw and, that you used the words, um, was it P, what was it? People living with obesity, PLWO. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I read quite a few things and that seems to be a term that's used. Um, and But again, at the same time, always really open for somebody to message me and say, actually, 
this is another term that we prefer to use. I know that there's a, a lot of people who don't like the, the, the use of the O word. Um, and so I think that perhaps the PLWO is preferred because you don't actually use the O word. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm just always listening to the people whose lives it actually is and whose experience it actually is to work out how to um, best represent them or what language to use. Is it one of those things with language? Um, so obesity obviously is the medical term. Mm-hmm. And then it gets used so much that it becomes derogative. So then it has to get changed. Yeah. Like, for example, um, handicapped used to be a word used. And my, um, I have a child who has autism and special needs is a word that's used. And then now you hear people saying, oh, they're special and stuff like yeah. that. So now yes. that word, you know, it's like society ruins each word. Yes, absolutely. And it has to be changed. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's important that medicine tries and keeps abreast of that. Um, that side of things with language, but then, you know, words that, phrases that we use in medicine that we think of as being medical, but then that translate poorly into just common language and a lot of this is tied up in around birth um you know when you view you know the phrase I think of is things like the sentence failure to progress which is just such a medical phrase and it's just being used forever and ever but actually when you think about that the word failure is mm. in that and that's actually, a really horrid word to hear isn't it about your birth that you failed yes and that's actually the other day so a term in exercise we say um like do the exercise to failure perform to failure reps to failure and it just mm. means you don't you can't do it anymore so that's what I did in one of the sessions and someone quite rightly commented up underneath saying they didn't like the use of, of the word failure and yeah. I hadn't even thought about it that way because I didn't think of it in a negative way I just thought of it as a term that we use absolutely Um, so it's yeah it's forever checking isn't it yeah yes I think so and I think that um throwing back to what we were saying before about the difference between doctors throughout time I think it's that openness to being um to actually yeah Yeah. and actually constantly checking things and and being able to say actually this was okay 10 years ago and it's not okay now so I'm going to change Mm. yeah I like that um now we sort of haven't really even got to know you yet so you're an (laughs) obstetrician you know you're an obs oh my god I'm not having a good day with my words you're an (laughs) obstetrician obstetric anesthetist obstetric anesthetist so how do you become one of those well, it takes a very long time, uh, and I'm not sure I'd recommend it, <laughs> although I absolutely love my job. Um, so med school, I actually did a science degree first, because when you finish school, you don't necessarily know what you want to do with your life. Yeah. What did um, you major in in science? Uh, pharmacology, so drug design, yeah. not, not being a farmer. Um, that is what a lot of people, including some members of my own family, thought I was well, I thought you were trying to be a farmer, like a Yeah, and they were like, yeah, they're like <laughs> girlfriend, you've grown up in the city. That's not going to work for you, but no skills. I, I, it took me a minute. I was like, surely you're not meaning farmer, farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So pharmacology, which is oh the study of God, that's brilliant. drug design. Yes. Um, and I did law for like six weeks, but didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so then just did a science degree. <laughs> 
Uh, and then went to med school. And then from there, it's just like all things medicine, you do a couple of years as a junior house officer um, or a house officer, which is just the, the doctors that work really, really long hours and do all of the paperwork and um, are just the workhorses of the public health system. Um, and then you apply to a specialty training program. So I obviously applied to anesthesia. I was really fortunate to get in at the earliest possible opportunity. Um, which meant I only did two house officer years. And then the training scheme's five years. During that time, you rotate through different subspecialties and um, sit two really horrendous exams. And then you come out the end of it a specialist. Um, and I also have to do a fellowship, which is when you've finished your training, but not started as a specialist yet, you go and do a year focused in one particular area that you want to upskill in. Um, and so I did mine in obstetric anesthesia. I actually just did it at National Women's in Auckland um, and had a wonderful year. It's really great when you're the fellow, you get to do all the interesting cases and all the really mm -hmm. complex things. And it's just such a wonderful learning time. Um, and so then from there, I wanted to do a bit more of a spread and do some general stuff as well. So I'm at Waitamata and we do, um, you know, most types of surgery, you know, we don't do hearts and we don't do brains, but we do most types of surgery. Um, and so I still get to do a bit of everything, but, but mainly obstetric anesthesia. And I, um, so when you say do a little bit of everything, do you mean a little bit of everything in the anesthetist world or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Always, always an anesthetist, sometimes yeah. a pain. So we do also anesthetists are pain specialists. Uh, we do, I do the pain round. I'm doing the pain round tomorrow. It's just not very often I do that, um, which is seeing anybody who has had surgery the day before or the day before that um, or has some other complex pain issue that's on a pain pump or has an infusion or throughout the whole hospital and you just go on around every morning and see them and make changes or mm -hmm. whatever and so what made you decide to do that anesthesia mm. I think I think pharmacology again the study of drugs not farming <laughs> um really I'm, lends sure, I'm, to anesthesia. I'm sure you'd be a good farmer though um, a husband grew up on a farm. I think he would disagree. <laughs> um, strongly disagree. No. Uh, the first time we visited my husband's farm, a sheep, it was shearing time and a sheep had a cardiac arrest and the shearer did CPR with his foot. And I was like, well, wow, I could do this. This you is could. great. <laughs> And my husband was like, it's not normally like this. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I'll be the farm doctor. Like, well, really I, I, I think it's called a vet, but anyway. This was at a vet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very clever people. Um, yes. So anesthesia is really just the, the real world play out of the study of drugs and also the study of physiology, which is the study of the body, how, how the body works, as you know, um, because it's, you're literally beat by beat, breath by breath giving medications and changing things and taking control of things and um yeah it's the most fascinating play out of pharmacology and physiology so for right from the get-go the first day I stepped into an operating theater I was like this one's for me also the anesthetist gets to sit down and their surgeon has to stand up the whole time and I was like <laughs> I want to be that person that's sitting down <laughs> love it so yesterday I got an email from you saying you were still in theatre mm. and that you'll get back to me at four o'clock in the morning. And I did, didn't I? <laughs> you Just did. after. You did. You did. <laughs> How 
are you managing that? So it was about 5 p.m. Was it 6 p.m. you emailed me? Uh, I can't remember. Um, yesterday was a bit of an anomaly. Us unexpectedly had, we had, you know, there's days that it's rostered to work late. So tonight I'm working till 11 p.m. Um, but that's rostered, expected, planned into my hourly week, you know, mm-hmm. play out of the, day, the week. Um, but then sometimes an operation will be going on and for whatever reason, it will just go for a lot, lot longer than expected. Mm-hmm. So yesterday that happened, a procedure that was down to take four hours took uh, nearly nine hours. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, everybody in the room just stays to finish it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. even if your part is done, you don't know it's done because something could happen. Like, for example, that person would have had to be anesthetized more times than originally planned like you can't get in there anesthetize and then say later no. so yeah so I mean they were under a general anesthetic so it was actually just the whole time yeah they, so, so they are you monitoring them to make sure that they're okay yes. under the anesthetic yes and um making sure that yeah because they're on a, they're on a ventilator and um the anesthetic's running the whole time and it's things like making sure that they have had enough pain relief um changing different things with the ventilation as things change with the way the surgeon's doing things sometimes they're very steep head down sometimes they've got a belly full of gas and all these things change the way our lungs respond and our heart and our blood pressure responds so just giving little medications the whole time to make sure that everything remains uh the you know the the blood pressure line stays nice and flat Mm -hmm. and even and giving medications to kind of balance that the whole time yeah so it's actually like i'm thinking okay you just get in there give a jab but you're actually doing I mean I knew it wouldn't be that but I guess it's just understanding exactly what your role yes um so I mean the times when we do just go in and do a procedure and leave would be like a labor epidural absolutely Mm -hmm. um and so yesterday was not I was not doing obstetric anesthesia I was doing um gynae um and so yeah that's certainly a time where we just go in and do it and then only come back if we're needed and hopefully Mm -hmm. we aren't and they just chopped up and then they have a baby Yay. yeah <laughs> um but for a general anesthetic we actually have to stay we're not allowed to leave at all um uh, unless another anesthetist comes and believes us for a break yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. and amongst this and you've got two children you also you. have your instagram page yes so that just completely blew up during COVID, didn't it? It did. Um, I only had a few thousand followers prior to that, and it yeah. was just a little space where I chatted about some stuff to do with health and travel and shared lots of pictures of my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, it did um, go quite uh, intense for a while, um, and then it's really just kind of sat for the since COVID's felt a little bit more calm. Yeah. The last little while. And so you just started posting advice, um, breaking down the, you know, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation around COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So you were coming from a really medical, factual place with all your advice. Um, so your page says it's about pregnancy and empowering women through pregnancy, but mm. for the COVID, it was everything, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really almost solely COVID for quite a long time. Um, And there was a few times where it really got quite intense for a while. Um, I remember the day that the traffic light system was announced, 
I was in theatre and our cases weren't quite lining up and it, I uh, t- took stock at the end of the day and reflected and went, I've let this really become a bit too big because the feeling, the pressure to be present and to show up um, because, you know, at that stage, I say I had 40,000 followers. My stories would have like 70,000 views. It was way more people viewing. I had, you know, wow. insane engagement. It's nothing like that these days. Um, thank goodness people have got far more interesting things to be doing and yeah. delightful things to be doing with their lives. Um, and so I was working with a really lovely surgeon and she was like, why don't we just stop for an hour? Because I think that you do some really important stuff and we'll just stop and do that. And all the nurses were really supportive of that as well, which was wonderful, really wonderful that they supported me to do that and acknowledged that that was going on. But Mm. sort of afterwards, I was like, this has really just become quite a big um, beast almost and quite hard to sustain a full-time job and Mm. to be showing up at one o'clock because it was a day they changed it they bought it for that's what happened they changed it to 11 a.m or something when they announced the traffic lights I see and everyone was like going to you as a first port of call please reframe everything that's just gone on in that um Mm -hmm. press conference in a way that we understand in a way that means something to us yes um but you know by and large it was just such a um, I was reflecting, you know, hearing the announcement about everything going. Um, that was such a blast from the past to have Jacinda up there talking again. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, oh, my goodness, it's been a long time. This yeah. is a massive throwback. Mm. Um, and what a delightful um, one to be hearing rather than so many that were so um you know, dark and foreboding and the changes were really impacting on our liberties and our way of life. Mm. And this was just the opposite. Um, but yes, there was really that long period of time where by and large, it was a daily event, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And it was a real, um, I would say, a, a privilege to have um, shared that with so many New Zealanders. Yeah, it's amazing. And did you cop um, much flack from people that were against that didn't believe in COVID or didn't believe in mandates, vaccines? I think that there's a tendency that I have and many people have that if you get a thousand pieces of feedback and two are negative, you focus on the, the two negative mm-hmm. and completely discard, you know, the 998 that were really glowing. Yeah. And so when I say yes, there was, it actually wasn't very much. Mm. Um, I did a talk at a conference recently and I was reflecting on this and I wanted to find some examples um, and I actually found it really hard to find them a because I put all these people on restricted profile but then that kind of made it easier um, because I could just go to that it's actually not a very long list of people um, but there wasn't actually that many to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest I think for some people I became a faceless um kind of anonymous dumping ground where they could vent some of their frustrations about what was happening in Aotearoa like I think they'd really have liked to have gone up to Jacinda and have a go at her but they can't maybe they do that in her DMs too her DMs must be an absolute (laughs) cesspool actually (laughs) (laughs) um but I was somebody that responded and you know I'm just a small fry and I usually engage for a little while and then eventually walk away Mm -hmm. when it becomes clear that it's just a a, uh we're two people with different views that aren't going to be changing. Mm. Um, but so I think for some people that was what happened. They were like, 
great. Here is somebody that I can vent my frustrations at. And then was there any time, anything that happened that you were like, oh, I don't agree with this, but this is what the decisions, these are the decisions that have been made? Um, I think my answer is no, because I... I think that as a coping mechanism, I tend to um, have, I tend to, I fell back on the fact that we were following the public health advice and in a hospital setting, you know, Ashley Bloomfield, but you know, the others that were, he was consulting with, thus specialist public health physicians. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I did a consult and wanted their advice, uh, I would ring them and they would tell me an answer and I would say, thank you. And we would go go with what they said. Um, And the same if I phoned a cardiologist or, you know, Mm -hmm. or if somebody came to me and said, we need help with, you know, sedating this person for X, Y, Z. And then I gave them a plan. Um, you so, respect so, and defer to that person. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. So you didn't even stop and go, well, I don't know if that's what I would do. Just go, they're the experts, so that's what we'll it should be. Yeah. You know, look, sure, I had some personal opinions on some of the mandate mm-hmm. stuff um, and, you know, the difference that that might have actually made versus the social impact on, on mm-hmm. autonomy. Um, and... But I think that and I, I kind of did delve into that a little bit on Instagram, but trying to steer clear for I tried to steer, steer clear from uh, personal opinions on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you just but, open up a can of worms then, don't you? And you want to stick yeah. to being about science and about the research. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think that overall, even though there were definitely some things that felt a little bit politically motivated, by and large, compared on a global scale, our decisions were very much led by the public health advice which I think made it easy to trust and roll with it I mean people were sick of COVID so I don't want to go on about it for too long but um, (laughs) (laughs) something that I find frustrating and I haven't looked this up and you know I know that a much higher proportion of the people in hospital that are sick or in ICU haven't been vaccinated so sorry higher percentages have been vaccinated but when you compare it to the percentage of the population it's a lot safer to be vaccinated so why can we get the chickenpox vaccine and not get chickenpox why do we get the covid vaccine but still get covid well a you can still get chickenpox if you've had the chickenpox vaccine although with two doses you usually don't um is it just that COVID's everywhere, so you're just exposed to it so much? Well, it was. Yes, that there's yeah. So there's a couple of reasons. One is about you know no vaccine is a hundred percent, and what varies is the amount of immune response um, that you're able to then subsequently mount. So actually, in isolation, the chickenpox vaccine is you know stronger, it elicits a better um, immunity than the COVID vaccine. Um, but then also you're exactly right. We're not in a chicken box pandemic, so it's not being tested. And we've, you know, uh, you know, for many of these illnesses, the childhood illnesses that we vaccinate against, we've got herd immunity and they've, you know, many of them have been eradicated. Mm. But then this, you've also got this very pesky situation where the virus has been mutating since the original variant. And, and you know, America's getting the Omicron 
specific booster, but the rest of us are all just only being vaccinated against, a, you know, the very original version of the virus, and it's mutated, you know, several times since then. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it, it, the the response that we've got is just not um, directly to this exact version, if that makes sense. And so each little bit of immunity that we get, whether it's from a booster, whether it's from getting COVID, gives us some more immunity. But then you're noticing that people that have had Omicron, um, even if, the one, if they've been vaccinated, can still get Omicron again with the next subvariant because it just changes a little bit and evades our immunity a little bit and that's how viruses survive, right? They just yeah. become clever and they just mutate and they manage to evade the immune system and they're constantly mutating all the time and it's just the ones that mutate that evade the immune system that then prosper and the others yeah, I see. just die out. And But they do get weaker, don't they? Because they don't want to kill their host because then they die out as well. Mm. Their aim is not to kill. Yes, uh, although they, we could very much, it's, it's not, you know, it's not likely, it's not probable, but we could very much have a stronger, um, you know, more seriously symptomatic um, variant come through, but you're exactly right, it's, it's our number. Um, would be which is you know the amount of people that one person infects would be much lower if you get sick from it and then you are so unwell that you can't leave your house or um, you know uh, in hospital or you die then you're much less likely to infect lots of people mm. so those variants also tend to not stick around for oh, I as, see as well. yeah that makes, makes total sense. sense yeah I love it how nature makes perfect sense yes <laughs> um, so controversial question here mm -hmm. what are your views on how it started so i very much think that it came from the, the you know the, the the theory of it being from the wet market um and a you know a zoonotic disease that's jumped from animals to humans because we eat animals um yeah the the conspiracy stuff around that is just not stuff that i've read a huge amount about I, I haven't kind of yeah delved into all of that stuff it mm -hmm. just felt like especially I think when it was all really going on it felt like there was so much all the time especially with what we were doing in the hospital and how to quickly make policies and teach everybody in the whole hospital how to do it that I just didn't have the capacity for stuff that I would consider to be unimportant mm. and there's sense. nothing you can do to change it you know yeah. you've got your job there at the hospital and that's what's going to help people rather than getting your knickers in a twist about how it got there in the first place yeah yeah absolutely but it's important that some people are over that you know everyone's got yes. their place in, yes, so in society yes um and on this chat isn't necessarily going where I planned it to but that's what I love about these <laughs> <laughs> so on I'm going to say conspiracy theorists but you know I believe that we need those people in society like it's an important part of keeping the world honest yeah I also think that it's important that yeah not it's I know I know why you were um, word searching instead of saying conspiracy I think it's important that we have people that view the world in all different ways and think different ways and question things in different ways and um, how incredibly boring would it be if we all just mm. had the same life experiences, the same, you know, knowledge sets that we'd been given or sought out ourselves and viewed mm. everything the same. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now, you achieve a lot. Like we said before, you were working late, up early. How do you manage it with two young kids? Um, sometimes poorly. Um, I have a really wonderful support system. So my husband is amazing and fantastic and he has the kids. I mean, so, you know, I went back to work when Henry was four months old and I was very fortunate to be able to be off until eight months with my second beanie. Um, and so going back to work at that four months with Henry, I was a registrar still, so I was doing nights um, pretty much off the bat and once a week doing a long day till 11 p.m. And um, so, and we bed share and he was exclusively breastfed at that stage actually and so my husband just had to start sharing a bed and getting up in the middle of night and getting a bottle and so he's just been doing that as par for the course the whole time um and I was reflecting yesterday that at, at some phases of our life he's been so much more in terms of face-to-face -to -face time with our kids present than I have been um now is probably the time where it's much more even since I've been a specialist but yeah, we're very much a team. There's very much, you know, he's also got a great career and a great job, but it's, you know, no nights and no weekends. So he does that. He, he takes up that mantle. Um, and then I just think it's about. Um, he's know, a lawyer, but, isn't he? No, no, no. He, no? Works in, he, work, he works in financial services, Okay. which is just a sentence that I say, and I don't really understand what it means. <laughs> yeah. love, it, love it, love it. It's like yeah. when... When people say they're a project manager, it's like well, you're managing a project, but like what? <laughs> what is? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, and then uh, we've got the most incredible nanny who is just part of our family. Have and you had the same nanny for a while? Yes, she started when um, I went back to work when Beanie was eight months, and then she had her own baby. Um, which meant we had an au pair to cover her maternity leave literally right as COVID came which was just such a blessing for us to have this gorgeous German au pair living in our house mm. I don't know I suspect this is she had <laughs> the most horrific time <laughs> I, I don't know how she did it <laughs> sorry I love it um, uh, but I adore her I don't know how she did it because I was obviously working horrendous hours um I did one week where I worked overnight every night on COVID call and then worked all day every day making education resources for my colleagues about how to approach COVID patients so I literally didn't come home from Monday to Friday and my husband was trying to work from home everyone knows the drill we've all been through this and yeah. our poor au pairs trying to homeschool um oh, and keep the children quiet you know there's houses across the whole country that have been doing this but yes our sweet sweet au pair um thank you very much to her um, <laughs> uh, um and then yes when yeah Annika went home and our um darling Mads our nanny came back and then now her little girl comes every day as well and that's been his best friend and it's just lovely oh it's how perfect so fortunate yeah it's the best thing ever yeah so do you get the dreaded mum guilt Oh, yes, doesn't doesn't everyone? Yeah. So talk just, us through for you. Yeah, you know, I was talking to a good friend the other day who's a stay-at-home mum, and she was talking to me about all of her mum guilt, and it really hammered home for me how 
no matter what you do mm. it's just it's just there yeah um all the time um yeah I mean it's one of the things that I find really hard is switching from the intense environment of work to then coming home and reading books yeah. and being present in that very brief window that I get in a really meaningful way mm. um and basically I think I've segued into reading books that's what we do because I've accepted that I'm I'm not I'm not a Duplo mum I'm not a you know sitting mm -hmm. with the, the dolls mum and that's okay but mm -hmm. I have you know I had a lot of guilt attached to that for a long time um but actually my kids really just want me to be doing anything with them mm. and so I love I do love reading books I really love baking with them um I'm a bit of a fan of messy play love going for outdoor adventures it's just finding something that I will really love doing with them and then can be present for longer periods of time um that's and such a good bit of advice I think for mums is instead of forcing yourself to be present in a moment that is so laborious for you mm do something with them that you both enjoy. So something that you enjoy, they'll enjoy. So true. They will absolutely, they feed off your joy, right? So, mm. and then it can just become the, the most lovely thing to do together. So I'll notice that my daughter will ask to bake with me. Um, but with my husband, she asked to do imaginative play because he just will sit and do that and pretend to be um, a pilot on a plane is the current one, mm -hmm. to fly, yeah. flying places. Yeah. yeah, so she'll turn the lounge into a plane. Um, and he loves doing that with her. And so she requests the things that we obviously give her the most feedback, you know, joyful feedback on. Mm -hmm. And so why did you go back after four months did you want mm. to stay at home longer or did you have to make that decision where were you at, at the time to be to be really honest it was multifactorial um one of the things is that um and I don't think we people talk about this so much is that as a primary income earner as a female um you actually having the luxury, the financial luxury to have more time off um, isn't necessarily realistic. Um, you know, when it, it, more and more commonly women are the primary income earners, but it's historically not been the norm. Um, and so part of it was that, you know, we'd just bought our first home in Auckland and it's, it was expensive and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, I needed to go back to work because at the time um, that was what I got from work was six weeks of full pay maternity leave, which mm -hmm. is actually amazing. Although now it's 14, which is so much better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so six weeks of pay maternity leave. And it was also back when I think the government was only 12. The government wasn't much. Um there were some changes that came in just after Henry was born. So this was July, 2014, he was born. So yeah, it, we kind of needed to. Um, and then the other thing is that I was at a point where um, I needed to, I still had another big barrack, my final specialist exam to sit and study for. And my cohort, for lack of a better word, 
um, I was the only person who had a child or any kind of leave, and they were going to be sitting in the, the there's two parts, there's a written and then a viva, viva's like an interview style um, that's usually in Australia, and then the written you just do locally, um, and the written was in the beginning of August, and then the viva was in October, um, and so he was born in the July of 2014, and the exam was going to be in the August of 2015, you have to have done a certain amount of clinical time to be eligible to sit. Um, and I had to go back to work to get that clinical time. And I also had to study. And so I could have opted and many of my colleagues have in similar positions to drop out, like drop back to a, a different cohort. And that would have been fine. And that, you know, works really well for them. Um, I just had this, I don't know, like a, I just wanted to get it done. I wanted to get it out of the way and get on with my life. I also had a bit of stubborn pride, like, yes, I can do this. I will mm -hmm. still stay with my cohort, even though I've had a baby. Um, and so we just we just rolled and did it. And I think that stubborn pride is quite common after the first baby, don't you think? Like it's not yeah. there so much once you've had more, but yeah. after the first baby, it's this almost this stuff you, stuff you society. I don't have to stick to the... The norms yeah absolutely I can do everything don't you put me into a box because yeah. I had a baby I'm still who I was mm. yeah <laughs> lol <laughs> <laughs> so wrong <laughs> I, know. I know I just remember mum just shaking her head sometimes at me and just being like just calm the farm you know like just yeah. enjoy these moments but yeah like you only know what you know you can't yeah. you have to do what feels right at the time absolutely and if pushing hard on whatever you're passionate about is right at the time then mm. it's right yeah yes would and you do that knowing what you know now would you do the same I, I might you know because it's so good to have it done life as a specialist mm. is so much better mm -hmm. the balance is better the financial independence is better like everything about our life is so mm -hmm. much better and you know I was so fortunate because my gorgeous sister had just finished school um and so I went back to work in the December and so she finished like year 13 then and so she came and nannied for us awesome so he was home with his aunt mm, how nice he, yeah oh absolutely golden um and he was with his dad and he was with me sometimes <laughs> not very much to be honest it was the, the hours are really long as a registrar and then on top of that I was studying sort of 20 to 30 hours a week so there wasn't mm. a lot of time there wasn't a lot of time at home um but you know we got through and he and I beautifully bonded and connected and I don't for mm. a second think anything happened from that time away from each other um I was breastfeeding him which was just the most delightful thing and so he and I would share a bed at night and I would feed him overnight. And um, when I did long shifts, my husband or my sister would bring him into the hospital so I could feed him. Um, wow. Which so was cool. really nice. Yeah, I'd it was cool. so proud of that. It was, yeah, I look back and think, how on earth did I do it? Mm. But I don't think 
you know, that there was anything, um, I don't think any harm was done and I think a lot of good came out of it. It was just an absolutely horrendous time. Mm. And were there moments where you just thought, why am I doing this? I want to give up. It's all too hard. Yeah, I think quite a bit of resentment around the fact that you're in, how old was I, early 30s? Yeah, studying and just looking around at everybody else being like, man, your life is just so much better. You've made such better life choices. (laughs) (laughs) Now they're looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that they are. They're still like, why are you still at work? (laughs) But yeah, there was a bit of, there was definitely a bit of that um and you know (coughs) having sat exams forever and done my part one exams without a child there's always that the drive to study and the fear of failing is so Mm -hmm. huge but it is nothing compared to the fear of failing with a little baby at home Mm -hmm. like because yeah he was 13 months when I sat the written and Mm. 15 or 16 and it's like man that that fear is I bet because if you were, if you didn't pass, it's like all this for nothing. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And so you obviously passed. Thankfully. Nailed it, I would say. (laughs) Oh, I don't know that I nailed it, but I passed. How many, how much sleep were you getting each night? Um, Thankfully, I had very low sleep needs. (laughs) Must do, because I'm doing the math. I can't work out how you fit it all in. There was no exercise back then, Kate. There was no exercise. (laughs) I do remember when you started on Dedicate, though. I was stoked to have you on board. I remember when I um, first met you or saw you in, oh, what was it called? In Auckland, um, Mind Over Matter Mums. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, Because at that stage I'd been doing some sort of home workouts that were all around baby wearing and yeah she was getting too big for that and so I was so ready to move into something new and oh it was absolute great I remember you took us for this little hit blast and I was like oh this is my jam I love it (laughs) so cool that's awesome um so that's balancing um motherhood and full disclaimer I totally tried to make you cry then by delving into that stuff (laughs) I was starting to cry I was like I'm gonna Oh, do you know, I I did it when I talked at this conference a few weeks ago, Jason Gunn spoke after me, like, yeah. thank goodness he went after me and not before me, because he is phenomenal to listen to him talk, yeah. so good, and he cried a few times, and he said, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry, and I really liked it, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I haven't embraced it, because I think actually getting emotional about things is okay, mm-hmm. and whereas my voice just falters a little bit, and I think it's okay to just to own it. Mm. And after he talked, I thought, I'm going to own it next time. And then I was just talking to you being like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's hard to talk and cry. It's hard to show our our emotions, isn't it? It's, um, but the thing is they, they need to be let out, don't they? So like you may have a wee tear later because it's in there and it wants to come out. Yes. Hmm. And by and, the way, guys, the reason I was trying to make you cry is because, well, it's good listening, one. <laughs> but two, Morgan had told me in an email that she'll try and get through it without crying. So I knew it was, um, you know, a massive it's, topic it's for her. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a, yeah. 
Um, so what about balancing your relationship and your career? With my dear husband. Yes. That man. That man. Um, he, that's a very good question. He and I met a week into med school. So he's been along for the whole journey of my career. And I met him when he'd finished his, he did a conjoint businessy something. Um, and so he had already You've done You've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I just know he did it in Australia. And I just know that it's two majors. No, it's a conjoint, but it wouldn't be in New Zealand. We don't offer that. Okay. So good. to me, it just sounded like a double major rather than a conjoint degree. Yeah. It's like international business and marketing or something, but like yeah. they're two they're two different degrees. And I was like, I that sounds a little bit made up, but you know, <laughs> he, he good. but we'll give it to you, mate. We'll give it to you. <laughs> um, yes, but I think that um, we we don't always get it it right. Right, the balance of having his mother said quite early on, I don't know how you're going to have two big careers in the same household. Um, you know, because she's from a much more traditional setup. Um, and I think that she was sitting there thinking, holy heck, to hell is my son going to have his wonderful career that I know he's destined for? Yes. Oh, wife that's a hard also one. also on the same path. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we make it work a lot of the time. There's definitely a lot of compromises. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that we sometimes can be not very good at is prioritizing spending quality time together. Um, and working out what that looks like over the years um, we had a bit of a light bulb moment about uh, you know maybe in the last 18 months that actually we don't really get a lot of joy out of going out for dinner together mm -hmm. um, I'm not so food focused food doesn't mm, necessarily that's interesting because we think dates okay you need to go out for dinner yeah absolutely and so I don't enjoy going basic. out for dinner with my husband either unless there's other people there then it's fun but if it's just the two of you yeah, a drag. <laughs> to totally. Like it's just not. Yeah, I get to the end of the day. You know, if I do go out for dinner, it's with girlfriends, and it's like I haven't seen you for so long. This is so wonderful. Yeah, that's fun. I actually take or leave the food to be honest. Like I'm not a yeah. big night eater, so it's it's more than seeing the people. But we've worked out that going for big bushwalks is nice. really enjoyable, and we love yeah. doing that together. So we've done that quite a bit, and it's that's really lovely because you talk, you're active. Exercising brings me so much joy. Um, I thank people like you for giving me that joy. And it, but it does just bring so much happiness. And so sharing that with him is just really great. And so we've started doing things like that. But I think it's marriage, relationships, whether you're married or not, like it's a work in progress, mm. right? You just need to constantly be reflecting on it and um, be um, constantly aware. Um, I think be be humble and be vulnerable is the things that are working for us at the yeah. moment. Like it. Yeah. So people, um, you know, you see someone that is achieving great things and it can be a man or a woman, um, mm -hmm. but there's the old historical saying behind every successful man or behind every good man is an even better woman. Yeah. So do you think that he would have achieved more in his career if you had been someone who wasn't so career focused? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, I think if I asked him that question, he would say, no, I push myself even harder because I've got to keep up with you. Mm -hmm. I know, in fact, I know that's what he'd say. Yeah. Um, 
you know, on a week by week basis, there are some things that he can't go to that are, um, I view them as nice to have. He probably views them as essentials, like mm-hmm. going for, for client drinks mm-hmm. and things like that. Because if I'm, you know, on call, yeah, that's a pretty short conversation about which wins. Yeah. Um, and so there's probably some missed opportunities there for him because of the t- the nature of my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like to think that we um, encourage each other and inspire each other to be better mm-hmm. by being together. Yeah. And for you to achieve what you do, you absolutely have to have a supportive partner or you wouldn't stay together and you wouldn't be able to do what you do because of society's expectations on women and everything. It's, you know, it's... Yes, absolutely. It's a huge Um, load. I've got a few single friends who are doctors and they say that they put in their... Uh, hinge or whatever profile doctor because they're like you just need to know this about me yeah you know whether it's doctor or whatever other big career you've got because if you are somebody who's going to be intimidated by that or you know be looking for something else then there's no point Mm -hmm. and do they get a particular sort of person like that's I think that um you know when I look at my friends with you know, my friends that are in relationships, I think, uh, no, of all different, you know, all different types, but I think that basically you need a secure, um, well-rounded, um, and just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm smiling thinking about all the beautiful partners that my friends have got that it's are just so, nice. so supportive. And I don't actually know anybody that's in a, shitty relationship that has got you know a big career that a partner makes it difficult for them I think that maybe we, we did when we were younger or well, I didn't because my husband's been along the whole time but some of them did when they were younger and it just kind of they just fizzle out because mm. it just doesn't work mm. and so you renewed your vows this year we did how special and so what made you do that well was that 10 years or like 10 years married? no or no how long no. you married? uh 2009 so 13 yep. lucky 13 this year um mm-hmm. no uh that's a bit of a bleak story actually so my engagement ring got stolen from our house oh no did um, you ha- just that or did you have a massive robbery no just a couple of things just a couple of small valuable pieces were taken mm. um ironically you sure you, sure you didn't holiday. just lose it yeah, I'm very sure because it was just these things from just from there. Um, it was all jewellery. But yeah, ironically, we went on holiday and my husband was like, don't take them with you. They'll mm-hmm. get stolen. So did you get, um, oh, they got stolen when you were on holiday, did you say? Yeah. Oh, not from your house. That's why I was trying to picture your house. No, being no, no. Just was, good. They, were, yeah, they got taken from our house by our cleaner, actually. Bleak. Uh, mm. Yeah, that is. Yeah, so I, that was actually a few years ago and I've been really slow, but I eventually have had a new ring designed. Um, was only my engagement ring that was taken, not my wedding band. I have mm-hmm. lost my wedding band, though. That's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you, you can't wear them when you're in theatre. No. Yeah. Um, and actually, 
we used to just wear it around my neck on a necklace, but then because of COVID, we had took everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just not worn anything um, for a long time. Although my husband did give me a silicone band because silicone's fine. You can scrub with that um, yeah. for a while. Um, and so we got a new, we got the new ring and I just sort of thought it would be really nice to do something with the ring to attach memories to it. So because it's a different ring to what it was before, um, yeah what so a good idea it was so lovely we went yeah we went to Fiji and stood on the beach and it was just beautiful and we read we chose poems to read to each other and my husband fortunately had two poems chosen because I actually read one that was one of the ones that he'd chosen oh which my I gosh they're amazing what the heck yeah um do so you have one, one there that you could read to us I would definitely cry. I will 100% cry. Oh, good. Oh, good. Get it. Get it. Absolutely. No way. (laughs) I, I like when I said it because our really close friends were there as well. Um, and I just looked at it and then looked up at them and just started to cry. I'm like, this isn't, (laughs) this isn't going to (laughs) work. That's a really, really special thing to do, isn't it? I think. Yep. Maybe it's something other people should consider and I'm looking at myself as well (laughs) it was really nice to do and have the kids there and yeah and just take that time to reflect on who you are as people now and what it means Mm. to you now and Mm. how far you've come Mm. because marriage is not what any of us expected Um, no I totally agree yeah and it's but in lots of ways it's deeper and more special than we expected to yes absolutely and just the most reliable I mean from my experience in every marriage is obviously very different um but you know I kind of view it I was describing this to somebody recently when talking about my husband I was like it's just kind of like an old comfortable jacket that is always warm Mm. and always fits and is just so completely reliable mm-hmm. um and sometimes it might get you know a bit muddy or dirty or whatever mm-hmm. but or it might be a bit of a dick but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it might never shut the cupboards in the kitchen but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love it love it love it I think we've covered quite a lot it's awesome I could talk to you for hours but I've Boom. just yeah got um some fun questions to finish off but cool. first I thought I'd just ask you describe a good day at work versus a bad day at work a good day at work is bad day at work. I want to start with bad day at work. Um, there's not really any such thing as a bad day at work. Somebody I was, was going to say because it's quite to... hard. Sorry, I think before you answer, a bad day, what you think would be a bad day, can actually be a good day because you've been challenged. Like yeah. the outcome may not have been what you wanted, but you've done a lot of great things, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And like yesterday, for example, had you with the very, very late finish. Um, so somebody might think that your work day extending by four hours with absolutely no notice isn't ideal, but actually it was um, with a really, really wonderful team and so fantastic to be able to finally get that outcome for the patient, which was the yeah. successful completion of their surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, when I reflect back on 
but when I was not a specialist but when I was a trainee there was definitely some bad days at work with some bullies and some of that mm-hmm. the bullying behavior that does go on in medicine um but I think that's the really great thing about being at the other the side of training is that I don't think there are bad days at work so do you find that bullying just happens when you're lower down on the hierarchy yeah, well because it's usually people in my shoes that are doing the bullying um, you know it's the specialist yeah. that does it um, and it's just why is it like that like why are people in general like that it's... yeah uh, I don't know I think that with within medicine some of it's that you were bullied and it's just like a perhaps a rite of passage yeah um, yeah that makes sense it's yeah there's that tv show this is going to hurt which was problematic on some levels but when we look at the way that it viewed it talked about medicine and doctors it just just that part of it a lot of people were absolutely horrified to and were like is it is it that is it like that and I'm like look, not all the time yeah um, but yes absolutely there is mm. that that kind of bullying that goes on in medicine yes in Aotearoa even um and hopefully it's getting a lot less but mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that exists so you're in charge of your department right I read that so no, I'm our obstetric lead. Yeah. Um, so that means that I am in charge of you know the, the anything that's going on with obstetric anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. So how many people are under you then? Well, so it's um, there's seventy of us in the department, but it's more like we have um, like portfolios that we're responsible for. Mm-hmm. We also have a clinical director, which is not me. Um, and yeah, he yeah. So I think the seventy of us. Yeah, well, it's big. Yes, there's we're the biggest department in any hospital that has operating theatres. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right, some fun questions. Mm-hmm. Will we ever see you back on dedicate? You just have to say yes. Since oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um, hit versus weights. <gasps> Watch is better. I'm really, really into weights at the moment. Cool. Yoga or Pilates? Ooh. I feel like all of these I could say different answers at different stages of my life. They're meant to be hard. You've got to mm. choose one. I just love exercise. Um, <laughs> I'm just in a yoga course, and so I'm going to say Oh, yoga. cool. Um, so why did you do the course? Just to add more to your plate? <laughs> To be honest, one of my really good friends was doing it and I was like, this would be a really nice way to spend some time together. Yeah, nice. Um, and have some time out. And probably are you a bit like to have time out, it has to be something. You can't just yes. have fairy, fairy time because then you'll yes. fill it with Instagram getting back to your 50,000 followers. You'll fill it with exactly. study, research. Yep. And it was a really, really lovely thing to do. And also now I actually know what some of the poses are when I go to a yoga class and, and yeah. I'm like just copying the person next to me. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So how, how long did that take? So it was six one-hour courses. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, would you rather shift work or work Monday to Friday? Eight shift work. Five. You'd rather shift work? Yeah. Nice. Hands just down. used to it. You yeah. can fit in other stuff. Yeah, like, it's great. We get days off during the week. I come off yeah. this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fantastic just to have that flexibility. You can look ahead and be like, cool, I'm going to go to the hairdresser next Tuesday morning. And nice. Yeah. I'm going to have, I get, you know, my half day 
um, with my daughter at home during the week. Mm -hmm. And it does mean that, you know, I then also then work some weekends, but I also get these great golden weekends off at least two out of three, if not three out of four, where I'm not working at all. So yeah, shift work's great. Cool. And if something really fun falls on, um, fun or important falls on a working week, it's just part of it. You just go, ah, that's life. There'll be something coming up again soon. Yeah, with enough notice, you can get leave as well, though, right? Like it's, you know, as soon as the school calendar comes out with all the different things that are coming up, I just apply for leave to make sure that I can, you know, get to whatever sports day or whatever thing. Yeah, awesome. Run or walk? Ooh. One day I might say run, but no, walk. Long, long walks. With your husband in the bush? Yes, absolutely. Would you rather be pregnant or postpartum? Like newly postpartum. postpartum. Newly postpartum. I hate <laughs> that. That was a quick answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad at being pregnant. No. Oh, and no. Something that just reminds me, something we haven't talked about is you've got an amazing resource that you've created for pregnant women. And you've mm. obviously created that because you hate pregnancy so much. You just want to help people <laughs> to get through it. <laughs> but it's called Your Labor, Your Way. Yes. Can you? Yes. Tell us a bit about that before we move on to the next one. Yes, I made that in 2017 after I had my first um, child because I was just really horrified at some of the misinformation that was around about um, the different pain coping strategies and labor. And so I thought I'll just put together the evidence um, on a website rather than different opinions. Um, yeah. And it I, I hope that it's balanced. It tries to be balanced and just, um, you know, the information that you would get if you saw a doctor or a person that was fact-based, but you can look at it from the comfort of your own home mm-hmm. rather than in a hurried clinic appointment where you only retain 5%. Totally. And you can see it all there and compare it all. And yeah. yeah. How amazing. Exercise morning or night? Morning. You get up at 4 a.m. every morning yes. or is that just yeah. depending on when your shifts are? No, if I finish really late, then I won't do the get up at four because um, I do need to sleep. Um, yeah. so, so you're tonight, working till 11 tonight. So you'll yes. what, get up at six or seven or eight. Uh, I will go to the f- six tomorrow. So I'll get up at five. Yeah. So yeah, still. Um, Not heaps of stuff. Yeah. Press ups <laughs> or plank? Oh, I like both. Uh, choose one. <laughs> How long are we planking for? Well, ten hours. Oh no, they're definitely pushups, hundred percent. You might be doing those for ten hours. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, burpee or jumping lunge? Oh, burpee. Blazer or leather jacket? Oh, I'm not a jacket person. Neither. Okay, that's fine. What would you wear instead? You live in Auckland. I was going to say, I either wear a coat or just a long sleeve top. Yeah. Sneakers or heels? Sneakers. Cocktail or champagne? Champagne. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Sweatshirt or a hoodie? Hoodie. I'm wearing a hoodie now. Yeah, and you answered that before. Remember when um, it was only hoodies? Yeah. Oh, all about yeah. hoodies, all day, every day. Never any yeah. other options. And would you rather cook or wash the dishes? Cook. Would you rather handwrite or type? 
Um, I quite like handwriting these days because it's such a lost art. When I get a drug chart, I get to write on. I'm like, oh, what fun. <laughs> Your hand gets so sore so quickly, though. Hey? And the, the yeah. writing goes out the window pretty quick. Yes. Earrings or a necklace? Necklace. Do you wear a watch? So a random question. Um, I don't. I wear a, um, it's a whoop wearable. So it's not a watch, which is great because it looks like a watch. And so people think I have a watch on and ask me the time. And I'm like, sorry, this is just a really nerdy monitoring your heart rate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely useless to you. <laughs> Classic. But I can tell you how many hours sleep I had last night. And I can tell you what my resting heart rate is right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Winter or summer? summer humid or dry climbs um humid lay on the beach or go for a swim swim bikini or one piece bikini would you rather go clubbing or go to a barbecue barbecue oh barbecue absolutely makeup or no makeup no makeup lipstick or lip gloss gloss Hang the washing out or use the dryer? Hang it out. Run out of toothpaste or run out of deodorant? Oh, big Ooh. last question. It's a cliffhanger, this one. I've got quite the hack of using hand sanitizer for deodorant because I often forget to put it on and I get to the gym and I'm like, oh, this is going to be poor for everyone. <laughs> so I put on hand sanitizer under my armpit. So I'm going to... Keep the toothpaste run out of deodorant and use hand sanitizer. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You've, someone, you've learned something new today. <laughs> I have. I have. We all have. We've learned a lot of new things, actually. <laughs> so I've had a couple of guests, one who didn't tell me about their girlfriend and one that didn't tell me about their pregnancy, but shared it a bit after. So uh -huh. this is why I'm going to ask you, is there anything else you want to share with us today that we haven't oh. covered? No, I wish I had some exciting news. No. Um, I got lost. Uh, speaking of bushwalks, I would just say I got lost in the a swamp uh, just over a week ago. Oh and it was not a good time. And the thing that I learned from that, which I, the more people that learn this or may already know, but the more people that learn this, I think, something good will come out of this horrific ordeal that I went through. Um, you can call 111 from your phone. Yes. Even if, so my phone just had nothing. So sometimes it will say SOS only. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes if it has nothing, it won't go through to 111. But apparently it pings off whatever network's around. And I managed to ring 111 with the most crystal clear call, having had no reception for like five hours. So and tell us, well, I'm not going to let you go yet. Tell us more about <laughs> us getting lost. I wasn't really lost. That was a bad choice of words. I knew where I was the whole time. Um, so there's a, you know, the, the Waitakere Ranges are along the west coast of Auckland and there's beautiful beaches along the front of them. We've got a family batch at Piha. Just north of Piha is a beach called Karikari and from there to drive round to this other beach called um, Whorapu is probably about 45 minutes driving time because you've got to go out and round but you can walk it takes much longer than 45 minutes but you can walk along the ridge line um, and through the forest and it's just beautiful and me and my stepmom did that the other day 
Mystic Bum and I, terrible English, and got to the end and went, instead of turning around and walking back, why don't we walk along the front of the beach? Because that's really logical, because it does just go from Fodapu to Karikari and get back in the car and go, except we decided to cut through what we thought was a small swamp. And it turns out it's 300 hectares and it is the most inhospitable terrain I've ever been in in my life. Five hours of just trudging through this swamp in water the whole time, sometimes in water over our heads, but at least mid-calf. And how long did you think it was going to be? Like, the walk back, like an hour, no, two hours or something. No, so it, to turn around and go back would have been about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it would be less than that. Um, I had to be at work. I was on call. Good times. Oh, goodness. Um, and so it was like, we'll just cut through along here. We both sort of said a bit later that we'd accept that we might need to, by the time we got to the beach, we probably need to run along the beach, which yeah. is quite a nice thing to do. It's a delightful day. Um, but anyway, the long story short is that we did not actually make it out of the swamp. Oh, um, right. And were you disorientated? No, because along one side is the cliffs. Yeah. And then you can just faintly hear the sea. It's that big mm-hmm. that you can just faintly hear it. So you know that it's to your left and to your right is the cliffs. Mm-hmm. And a few times we were like, let's just turn left and go try and go straight out to the beach again instead of trying to traverse along to get to this point that we were aiming for called the Pararaha Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we turned left, it was just actually really dense gorse. And every time I'd be like, maybe we can just put our hands in our sleeves and just walk through the course. But that's actually really, really, really sore. So yeah. we quickly abandoned that plan. And so then we'd go back to walking through more of the reeds and the cutty grass and the water. Um, what were you wearing? Yeah. So I had on some, just some good, my, my Nikes did really well. And then just some tights and uh, long, uh, long sleeve like merino top and a puffer jacket mm-hmm. um so it was dressed quite well that all ended up totally saturated because of the deep water and the the, the worst part was that we actually reached which was actually the, the mouth of the valley um right on sunset and so that we were then in really deep water over our heads right on sunset oh, and so right. that, that was really the the icing on the cake is that we were a not at the end so still a fair way to go although actually only about probably 200 meters to the mouth of the valley which is then an actual track home but 200 meters through water and we were cold so 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 cold because it was seven degrees we're wet oh my goodness and then couldn't see where we were going because it's just black at night when you're not that would have been so scary it and then you made the decision great. to call one one Had you thought about it sooner? I just didn't even think that I could get through. And that's why I, I say see. that. I see. Yeah. And so I, I was like, oh, just, I'm now desperate. I'll just try anything. So I said that yeah. thing, I've got an iPhone where you just hold the sides and mash it, which might, you know, anyone that's got children and an iPhone knows about that function because their <laughs> children have found it. Um, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that went through and the helicopter came and got us. And that was wonderful. And was, <laughs> I bet wonderful people uh and you know feel fairly embarrassed that we made such a bad call um doing that um just totally underestimated the whole thing and it it happens often you know you're definitely not alone there 
Yes, I did read an article about the actual place because I've been, you know, tried to read a lot about it, and it turns out that it's you know not usually quite so bad water-wise mm-hmm. um, because looking at the topo maps, there's not actually water shown at one point where the water was over our heads. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously changed. So there lot. was nowhere to go but swim through the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Far out. Water, the water was quite nice actually. Um, <laughs> in, cold. Hind- in, in hindsight. Yeah. Now that you're free from it. Good times. So yeah, yeah. I think that that's amazing. The take home like, is that crazy experience. One one. Totally, yeah. really, really humbling. Like that's the first time I think in my 38 years that I've gone. I am not actually invincible. It turns mm. out. So yeah. Very, very humbling. A massive yeah. learning experience. Like not yeah. just the experience, but what that experience teaches you. And yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm definitely going to do it from now on guys listening is at the end ask all my guests if there's anything else that they want to share mm. because I get worried that I haven't given people the opportunity to say some things that they might have wanted to have sh- shared with us I didn't know I wanted to share that until you asked no. <laughs> very good I love it thank oh. you so much Morgan um, congratulations on everything you've achieved and are achieving and will achieve. And yeah, thank you so much for your valuable time today. Thank you. It's been lovely to chat to you. Cool. And um, if people are listening who don't follow Morgan, um, her bio and link to her website will be in the show notes. Thank you all so much for being here and for listening to the Dedicate podcast. Now, I haven't asked for a while, but if you love our podcast, I'd appreciate it so much if you could leave a rating and review. This helps others find us, and the more listeners we get, the more we can get going, and the more firepower we have to get great guests. Thank you so much. If you are new to our podcast, popular episodes to listen to next are Claire Turnbull, I Once Hated Myself, From Eating Disorders to New Zealand's Top Nutritionist, Dom Harvey, an upside-down chat about life, IVF, training, marriage, career, and more. Lou Heller, sharing my separation for the first time, and of course, fashion. And Tony Street, grief, love, illness, and everything in between. Dedicate is the online trans-Tasman fitness community for rural and regional women, mums, and those that don't have time for the gym. We have a range of short and effective workouts, HIT, weights, boxing, yoga, Pilates, cardio, and pregnancy and postpartum. We encourage you to do your best and never give up. All our trainers are mums and we're on this journey with you every step of the way. Get started with your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com.